Welcome to Slaking Thirsts, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart, who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. With Gospels like that, the church is just getting you warmed up, getting you ready for those uh, Holy Week Gospels where you've got to get the, that blood flowing while you're standing for 20 minutes. Okay, this is where I want to start. I want to start with a question. I just want to start by asking you, inviting you to think, what do you feel after having heard that story? Like, what is moving in your heart? Was anything moving in your heart while you were listening to that story? Were you pierced? Were you cut to the heart? Or was it kind of like, oh, that was a nice story. And you sit down, like, all right, Father, now say something nice and we'll be moving on here. Say something interesting. Okay, I just want to reiterate this point that I've said before about Sunday Mass and the readings, especially in these Lenten readings. Every year, every Sunday throughout the year in particular, but yes, especially this during Lent, that if the first time you're hearing the readings or when you come to Mass, like, that's, that's not good enough. Just... Very simply. Like, if that's the first time you heard the gospel for this weekend, thumbs down on you, right? With great love and fatherhood and tenderness. But the reality is we need to be spending more time listening and soaking in these readings throughout the week because there's so much in there to unpack. There's so much in there to unpack. I don't have the words of eternal life. The homily is not what saves you. The gospel saves you, right? So we need to be spending time with the gospel. The point of the homily is to unpack the gospel, and that's what I want to do. This weekend, the church plunges us into the heart of the matter, the very heart of the matter, which is our hearts. We are plunged into the heart of the matter, which is our heart. And what is the heart? Pope Benedict XVI says the heart is the organ of desire. It's the organ that longs to see God. It's the place in us that, as St. Augustine said, it's the place in us that is restless, until it rests in God. That is what the heart is. And why are we restless? As St. Augustine says, why are we restless? Because we have built into us a God-given longing for the fullness of life, the fullness of joy, the fullness of meaning, beauty, purpose, love, connection, communion. We don't want just a little bit of these things. right? We want the endless, perfect, unending perfection of all of these things. No one has ever said, after seeing a beautiful sunset, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm good on sunsets. Or like after an amazing meal, no one has said, I'm good on amazing meals. I never need to have another flavor in my life again, right? Beautiful night of conversation with friends. I am topped off, don't need any more friends. No, after all of these amazing experiences, what we feel is, I want more. I want more. I want more. Our hearts are architecturally designed for the infinite, and we live among the finite. Pope Francis, I want to ask you this question. It's the same question that Pope Francis asked uh, the crowd at World Youth Day a few years ago. He asked them, and I'm asking you, do all of you have a desiring heart? A heart that desires? Or we could put it this way, given the gospel we just heard. Do you have a heart that thirsts? Do you have a heart that is hungry? The Pope continues, think an answer in the silence of your own heart. Do you have a heart that desires, that thirsts, that hungers, that longs? Or do you have a closed heart, a heart that is asleep, a heart that is anesthetized against the things of life? 
Do you have a heart that's thirsty? This weekend, we hear about the Israelites who in those days, it says, in their thirst for water, they begin to grumble against God and against Moses. Why did you make us leave Egypt for us to die in our thirst out in the desert? In the second reading, we hear this, that the love of God has been poured into our hearts. And then obviously in the gospel, we hear about this woman, the Samaritan, whose thirst has brought her to a well to draw water. I want to look at that story a little bit more deeply. I want to unpack, just hone in on one verse in particular. Because this story, the, the dynamics that unfold in this story, it's, it's everything. It's, it's paradigmatic for the entire Christian life. In some ways, everything you need to know about who Jesus is and about this faith is contained in that gospel. Do you want to know more? Yes? Okay, all right, let's continue. Because the goodness, here, I'll put it this way, the goodness of the gospel, the goodness of the good news is there really is a water that corresponds to that deepest of thirst that we have. There really is a banquet that corresponds to our deepest hunger. There really is a love that is stronger than death. There really is this thing that we are looking for, and his name is Jesus. Like the thing that all of us want, but none of us can really articulate and name this known, unknown thing entered into time, into history, into space. The infinite mystery came among us. It's the Word made flesh. It's Jesus. That's why he looks at that woman and says, if you knew the gift of God, you would have asked him and he would have given you a drink. Okay, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's go back into this story. So we hear that Jesus came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of land that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from his journey, sat down there at the well. It was about noon. Okay, why was this woman coming to the well? It's not a trick question. It's because she was thirsty. (laughs) She needed water, right? She had a natural bodily thirst. But why was she coming at noon? Because she wanted to be alone. She wanted to be alone. She didn't want to be with the other women. She wanted to hide And at this point yet in the story, we don't know why that's the case. So Jesus asks her to give him a drink, right? And she's shocked that he, a Jew, is asking her, a Samaritan, for a drink. And he, a man, is talking to her, a woman, which all of these things would never have happened really in the ancient world. All of these things are breaking all the norms and taboos of the ancient world. Jews had nothing to do with Samaritans, as John says, because Samaritans were mixed breeds. They were the, the Jews who intermarried with the pagans during the diaspora. So Jews looked at them as like, you're not really Jews. And the Samaritans looked at them going, you're not really nice. <laughs> That's kind of how it went. That's really what's going on here. Listen to these words again. And if, if I can encourage you to do anything today or over the next week, is to soak in these words where Jesus says, to you, as he says to this woman, if you knew the gift of God and who is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Right out of the catechism, paragraph 2560, the catechism says this, that the wonder of prayer is revealed beside the well where we come seeking water. There, in prayer, Christ comes to meet every human being It is he who first seeks us and asks us for a drink. Jesus thirsts. His asking arises from the depths of God's desire for us. God has a heart, right? Sacred heart of Jesus' parish. The heart is the organ of desire. Jesus is thirsty. For what? 
for you. God desires us. Whether we realize it or not, prayer is the encounter of God's thirst with ours. God thirsts that we may thirst for him. So this woman hears Jesus saying, give me a drink. And she's still thinking on the literal level. And she's responding saying, man, you don't even have a bucket. And the cistern is deep. Like, how are you supposed to get water down there, right? What do you think? You're better than our father Jacob? Answer, yes. Right? Yes. He responds to her, everyone who drinks this water, he's pointing to the well, this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water that I shall give will never thirst. The water I shall give will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Right? This water... Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. This is the sad story of fallen humanity exiled from paradise. That we have been digging wells all around this fallen world looking for infinite satisfaction. We, we turn to all of these things in this world around us, good things most of the time, and we say, give me infinite satisfaction. Slake my thirst. Quench my hunger. I want to be satisfied. And we turn to people and things and all sorts of stuff. We try and wring out of it infinite satisfaction and infinite joy, the thing that we're looking for. And guess what? It doesn't work. It doesn't work. It it gives us a semblance of satisfaction. But it's not the thing we're looking for. So in our fallenness, we keep turning to these things and we want more and more and more and more. And what we end up being are addicts. We're addicts. We're like babies sucking our thumbs, getting a semblance of satisfaction, but not the real thing, right? I don't care how hard that baby sucks that thumb. No milk is ever going to come out of that thumb. This is what we do, though. Jesus says, whoever drinks of this water, pointing to this good world around us, you're going to be thirsty again. He says, I have something that will perfectly satisfy you. I have the thing that you're looking for. She says, sir, give me this water. That would be great. And then he gets personal with her like a surgeon. He's going right to the heart of the matter. He goes right to her heart. He says, go call your husband and come back here. This is why Jesus is meeting this woman. She says, I do not have a husband. And Jesus says, you're right. Because you've been with five different men. And the man you're with now, it's not your husband Like Just like her natural thirst drove her to that well in the heat of the day, she had a natural thirst to be loved. A natural thirst to be affirmed, to be blessed, to be seen as a gift, to be desired and desirable. She had this natural thirst for love. And is there anything wrong with that? Yes or no? No. That is a beautiful, natural, God-given desire to be loved. But what was she doing? She was taking it to all these different places, saying, like, choose me, want me, love me, affirm me, bless me. Let me be cherished in your sight. Satisfy my thirst perfectly. So as Jesus presses deep into her heart, as he's pushing into this place of discomfort and shame, she does the age-old move where she changes the subject. She says, Sir, I can see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you people say that the place to worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus can see what she's doing, and he stays with her. He stays with her. 
And she says, I know the Messiah is coming, the one called the Christ. And when he comes, he will tell us everything. And how does he respond? I am he, the one speaking with you right now. And then this is the detail, the crucial detail that I want us to reflect on. It says, the woman left her water jar and went into the town and told everyone that had just happened to her. She left her water. She came there with these water jars to draw water. And think about how arduous that would be, lugging that up the hill, right? She brings these water jars, gets the water. She leaves them. She leaves them. It's when we leave our water jars behind that things really begin to change. And what does that mean? All of the futile ways that we seek to fill up our hearts, our heart's deep thirst and hunger, right? You, you have a jar. And you are, and I am, constantly lowering it into different wells, whether it's on the internet or into certain, your favorite, you know, bottle of booze or online shopping or people. or di- There's all sorts of things that we turn to, wells that we lower our hearts down into saying, please satisfy me. And it never works. It's some variation, I'm sure, of wealth or pleasure or power or honor. Here's the thing. Right here in this Mass, this is what the church is holding out to us. In this Mass, everything your heart is seeking is poured out and given to you. Not in little drips, but in like Niagara Falls, infinite abundance. Infinite abundance. That Jesus, just like Moses strikes the rock in the desert and water comes gushing out, Jesus is the rock that is struck and what comes gushing out of his heart. Blood and water, the infinite ocean of mercy, love, beauty, glory, everything your heart is looking for. Fulton Sheen said, in that host that you receive on your tongue, he says, is everything your heart is looking for. Everything. So what do you seek? What are you thirsting for? What do you desire? Even if it seems twisted and messed up, like behind every disordered desire is a holy desire that's gone amok. That woman's holy desire to be loved led her to all these different men. A holy desire that ran amok. St. Augustine said, someone who's lost in their passions is less lost than someone who has lost their passion. This woman, lost in her passions, was less lost than those who had lost their passions. Because Jesus comes to satisfy. That's who he is. This place, Mass, this is the place for our full desires to come out from hiding and to open them up to the Lord, to let him heal them, to let him see them and redeem them. Like his heart, the sacred heart of Jesus, is the only well that's worthy of your desires. And it's all right here in Mass. Amen.